Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello and I am your host, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And as we close out this July 4th holiday weekend, I would like to wish or hope that everyone had a fantastic July 4th. Hope that everyone had a nice uh, three-day weekend if you did have a three-day weekend. And let's be honest, though, if you are a St. John's basketball fan, which if you're listening to this, you're probably a St. John's basketball fan. You probably had a very, very, very good July 4th weekend as Julian Champagny. Uh, roughly 24 hours ago, actually, right around 9 p.m. on July 4th, shocked everyone, not necessarily with his announcement, but with the timing of his announcement that he would be returning to school for his junior season. He is withdrawing from the NBA draft. He is back at St. John's, and he joins a St. John's team that now has sky-high expectations relative to where this program usually is at heading into the 2021-2022 season. To pull the curtain back a little bit, I was confident in Champagny. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. When he announced that he was entering the draft, and I think I even tweeted this, uh, it was late March, it was early April, whatever it was. When he announced that he was entering the NBA draft, I was fairly confident that he would be coming back to St. John's. Not 100% confident, but 90% confident that he would be back. I think I even mentioned, you know, in my tweet, the wording of, of, of his of his announcement really made it seem like he would be back in Queens for a junior year. He was just kind of gathering uh, information, and unless he blew some scouts away, he was not going to be staying in the NBA draft. I will say this, though. As the days and the weeks and the months even went on and on and on, and as we got closer to this deadline... I did get a little bit nervous. I, I never got to a point where I thought that he was going to stay in the draft. I think, though, it got about 60-40, you know, where I was like, he might stay, he might go, I don't know. Uh, I never got to a point where I thought he was staying in the draft, but I definitely got very, very close. And as a St. John's fan, I'm, I'm sure everyone can relate. We are so used to getting bad news in these situations. You know, we are so used to a player transferring or a player staying in the NBA draft or, you know, whatever. It's such a breath of fresh air. As someone mentioned it, um, I'm trying to remember who it was. I think it might have been Lou's Army on Twitter said it's just it's just so weird to have good offseason news happen to St. John's. It's hard to process it. And for me, that's how it was. I think I, I, I had about 10 or 15 minutes where I was so elated but I obviously just just couldn't you know process that this good actually happened, and I think I needed to act. I had someone pinch me actually because I I could not believe that good news was happening to St. John's. I needed to make sure that I was not in a dream, but it definitely was not a dream as Julian Champagne is back. I, I want to start real quick by saying this, um, you know. I never want to judge someone else's situation. I never want to say if someone else made a good decision or a bad decision because we don't know. You know, Julian Champagny could have stayed in the draft, been the 47th overall pick, and he could have had a very nice NBA career. You know, he could have went in a situation that worked for him and, you know, had a nice, you know, 10-year NBA career for all we know. We've seen that happen before. We saw Jakar Sampson. He's put together a really nice uh, NBA career after going undrafted in the NBA draft. So it's possible. So I'm not going to say that if he stayed in the draft, it would have been the wrong decision. But as a total outsider to the whole situation, it just made too much sense. And I think, again, that's why I never got to a point where I thought that he was leaving. It just made too much sense for him to come back to school on both ends, you know, from Julian and for St. John's. And when you factor in the new NIL rules coming in as well. But for Julian, you know, a a guy who was probably going to be, what, a mid to late second round pick, you know, somewhere in the 40s or 50s, if he was drafted at all, you know, there was also a chance he went undrafted in the draft. So it was not going to be, you know, a first round guaranteed, uh, you know, top 30, top 35 type pick. I don't think that he really risks anything. Obviously, there's always risks, you know, injuries and things like that, but he can't really, you know, plummet his stock coming back for another year. If anything, he can really improve that stock now. And if he has another 20 points per game year, you know, where he's the Big East leading scorer or near the leading scorer in the Big East, where he's in the conversation for Conference Player of the Year, if he wins Big East Player of the Year, if he leads St. John's to a high finish in the Big East and he leads St. John's to an NCAA tournament, he's playing on that national stage, he could elevate himself to 
you know, mid thirties, even late first round, I think, uh, if he obviously improves upon what the scouts want him to improve on. So to me, there's just, there was just too much making sense for Julian to return. And then obviously for St. John's, you know, it helps that they have a team that, you know, with him coming back now has the expectation of a top four, I would say finish in the conference and has the expectation of NCAA tournament in 2021-2022. I, I think that that also has something to do with it. And the uh, NIL rules, like I mentioned before, certainly have something to do with it. You know, we're in a pro sports town in New York. Uh, athletes in New York, college athletes at least, are not going to make those, you know, five, six-figure deals uh, in, with endorsements. It, that's just the way that it is. Um, you know, that's, that's you know, everyone on this team, not just Julian. You know, they're not on the level of... of you know, a, a Daniel Jones or an Aaron Judge or a Francisco Lindor, they're not going to, or, you know, a Julius Randle, Kevin Durant, they're not going to make that type of money. This this town has a lot of stars in it, but they can make some money now. You know, there's, there's no telling, you know, we don't know how much money Julian Champagny can end up making, uh, you know, when he does come back on the court in terms of endorsements. I guess we will see in the next couple of weeks if he has anything, if he has anything coming out. So if, if you see Julian Champagny uh, make a tweet about the Seeing Red podcast, just know that uh, that uh, I slid him some money for for uh, for, for uh, an endorsement there. So so maybe I'll, I'll contribute to that as well. But um, yeah, I mean, in terms of St. John's expectations for next year now, you know, they are really the highest that they They've been, I think, in three years, you know, since the uh, the 2018 or the 2019 team that with the addition of Mustafa Heron, you know, had expectations of NCAA tournament and, you know, try to win a game or two in the NCAA tournament. That team obviously ended up being such a, a huge letdown, you know, that entire season. But I think that there are some differences in, you know, from this team to that team. That team didn't have a whole lot of size. This team has added a 6'11 guy in Joel Soriano, a 6'9 guy in Aaron Wheeler. Uh, Aisha Niwaye is a 6'10 guy. Uh, you know, Omar Stanley is 6'8. They have size that they've added. That team had no size back in 2018 or yeah, in 2019. That team had no size. That team had no depth as well. That team was really only playing six or seven guys. Even the team in 2014-15, if you want to look at that team, the D'Angelo Harrison year, his senior year, that team played five or six guys. This St. John's team has 10, 11, you can even say 12 guys. Every scholarship player on the roster right now, you could make a case for that they are going to contribute uh, next season long. So this team, it just, I mean, on paper, you look at it, there aren't a whole lot of holes. You know, there's not a whole lot of holes right now to fill for this team with Julian coming back. They have their stars at the top. They have Champagny. They have Posh Alexander. They have the size, which they have not had before. Joel Soriano, Nawaye, Wheeler, Stanley. They have the size. The shooting is 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 questionable, but they just added Tariq Coburn, who I think can be a big addition. They added Steph Smith. Julian Champagny can shoot. You're obviously hoping for you know Posh Alexander's shooting numbers to go up and for him to shoot like he shot in that kind of mid-middle stretch of the season last year when he couldn't miss from three-point range. So they have that as well. The ball handling, you know... Posh Alexander is going to be the primary point guard. Uh, Pinzone seems like he's very, very capable. Although, you know, you wonder what the type of competition that he's playing in the uh, FIBA U19 uh, games uh, overseas. You know, you wonder that competition, but still, he looks like a very gifted and talented point guard who really sees the floor very, very well. Montez Mathis, you never know. He could bring the ball up. Steph Smith, Dylan Adaiwu. So those are guys that can bring the ball up as well. So they, they, could use another guard for sure with that final scholarship, but I don't think that's a pressing need uh, right now either. So, you know, you just look at this roster and you say, you know, where are the holes? And we've spent, I feel like we've said this four or five times, you know, in the last decade, you know, that this could be the most talented roster in the Big East. And I don't know if it is the most talented roster in the Big East. We'll see. But there is a lot of talent on this roster. And there is no glaring, obvious holes on this roster. So there's certainly reason to be optimistic. And if, you know, I'm throwing out expectations here on, on July 5th, if I had, a, you know, a, a thoughts for, for where this team should finish, I think no worse than fourth in the conference. I mean, you know, you were finished fourth last year for a team that did not have these type of expectations. Finish fourth or better. You know, we all know Villanova is going to be at the top. I think Seton Hall is going to be very good. UConn's going to be very good as well. Uh, people are high on Xavier. Butler has a lot of guys coming back. There's going to be talent up at the top, but you should be in that first or second tier, no doubt about it. 
You know, St. John's is really in that second tier this year, I think, in the conference. They should be there again. There is no reason why, barring some kind of, you know, transfer or catastrophic injury to this team, there is no reason why this team should not be a top four team in the conference. You know, I don't even say top five. I think top four team in the conference with a shot to win the Big East tournament with, a, with I think, a shot to win the regular season as well. I think if you look at a 20-game conference schedule, this team should go no worse than 11-9. I know it's going to be a really talented conference. I just rattled off a couple of teams that are going to be very, very good this season. You should win no less than 11 games. 11-9 should be your absolute worst. If you play, what, 11 non-conference games? You know, you should win 20-22 games, you know, somewhere in that range, if not more, uh, at this season and be, again, an NCAA tournament team and make a real NCAA tournament appearance, be in the field of 64 for the first time in what would be seven years. You know, there's no reason for that. And then uh, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but if you do make the NCAA tournament, we've seen, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 seeds make these runs. We just saw it with UCLA. But I think, you know, reasonable expectations right now, and I think everyone would agree with this, top four in the conference, winning, I would say, 11-plus conference games. You can't go 10-10 and 10 with this roster. I don't care how tough the conference is. You got to go above 500 in, in the conference. You won, what, 11 games last year in the conference. You need to win, I would say, 11 or more in the conference. And be a, again, 7, 8, 9, 10 seed in the Big East, or in the NCAAs. You know, be a team that has a winnable first-round game in the NCAAs. You know, be a 10 seed facing a 7 seed. Be an 8 seed facing a 9 seed. Maybe you get up to a six seed. I don't know. BAC that has a legitimate shot at a first round win in the NCAA tournament. And then you see what happens. That is the goal. You know, you won't see me if I'm, you know, whatever would be 10 or 11 months from now. If I'm sitting here on, you know, March, whatever would be 23rd. And we're, you know, recapping a St. John's second round NCAA tournament loss to number two seeded Duke. I'm not going to be upset. I mean, I'll be upset for sure, but I'm not going to say that this was a terrible season uh, if that's the way that it ends. I, I just, I, you know, given the expectations, I don't see that. So the expectations are there. The, the one criticism is the non-conference schedule is not all that strong. You know, that that's the one thing that I'll say before we get to Kevin Connolly, who's going to be joining us. The non-conference schedule does not leave a lot of room for error. You've really got to go out there and you play Pitt. Uh, I believe that's at Madison Square Garden. Excuse me. You play Kansas at the uh, Belmont Arena, and you play Indiana on the road. You've got to win two of those three games. You know, you've. I, I think you really have to beat Pitt, a Pitt team that lost a lot. That is not. I don't think is going to be very good. Obviously, Julian's brother Justin uh, transferred out of Pitt. You've got to beat them, and then you've got to split with Kansas and Indiana. I mean, again, it's ridiculous forecasting these games five months in advance, but. You know, when you look at the non-conference, I think you really have room for basically about one to two losses in the non-conference, and that's it. You know, we saw already, I think, uh, who their first game is going to be against Mississippi Valley State, I believe. Um, it's good that they'll have time to gel, you know, as, as a team and, and, you know, play some of these cupcake opponents, if you will. But there's not a lot of room for this non-conference schedule. You've got to win, you know, you know, or you can only lose really one or two games in the non-conference. And then, like I said, 11 and nine or better in the conference and make the NCAAs. That's, that's my uh, expectations. And we will, we'll see if they live up to it. But if you're a St. John's fan, you know, it's, it's July 5th, it's July 6th. Whenever you're listening to this, it's, it's the week of July 5th. It's, it's hard not to be excited right now about this team. It's, it's hard not to see that, you know, or not to feel like this team is a real competitor in the Big East, which again, we only say that once every few years. And a lot of the time, St. John's has kind of not delivered on those expectations. So it's fun to go into a season uh, with expectations and hopefully they are able to live up to them. But uh, let's get to Kevin Connolly now. Kevin and I have a great discussion about Julian Champagny, about the roster, the expectations for next season. Uh, So check it out and I hope you guys enjoy. All right, I'm now joined by Kevin Connolly. He runs Storm the Pate a St. John's basketball blog. Kevin, thank you for coming on tonight, my man. Troy, great great to be here under these uh, circumstances, I should say. Yes, it is. Uh, I'm very happy that we're having a happy discussion here rather than a sad discussion. And like we mentioned off air, I mean, the, the timing of this could not be worse, but I think that it's a lot better that we had bad timing, but good news rather than good timing and bad news. 
Exactly. I, we, we were talking about the, the reaction, I think, would have been um, a bit more in unison mm-hmm. had it been, say, on Monday or Tuesday at noon or at 2 o'clock in the afternoon rather than uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday night, 9.30th on the 4th of July when everyone's out doing their respective things. Mm-hmm. But one thing I will say it was kind of cool seeing um, the reaction trickle in. So mm-hmm. like the people that saw it right away yes. and the people that thought a couple hours later then the people that didn't see it until this morning. Mm-hmm. It was cool seeing the reaction of everyone virtually celebrating on Twitter that <laughs> Julian Champagne's coming back for his junior year. That is, that is very true. And, and you also got a lot of people kind of tipsy celebrating because of the holiday. I think you had exactly. a lot of people, you know, a little, a little happy. But, um, you know, l- let's start here with Julian. Um, you know, you never want to, to you know, say whether a decision is right or wrong for someone else because, you know, we don't, we don't know, you know, someone's personal life or anything like that. But for Julian, you know, as an outsider, to me, this, this really feels like the right call for him as, you know, to come back to improve his draft stock for a guy that probably would have been a mid to late second round pick. Uh, your take on that first, just, just for Julian himself, uh, the decision in your eyes. Yeah, so uh, first of all, I'll say I think it's great for everybody involved. First, specifically for Julian, um, I, it's great that he tested the waters. I think just about every underclassman should test the waters mm-hmm. because what what do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can hire an NCAA certified agent so you can get that experience. Then you can talk to NBA teams, um, owners, general managers, coaches, whatever you whoever you talk to in the draft process. You get to work out for teams. You just get to get a your feet wet of what that next level is like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's perfect for him. And he got real feedback from NBA teams on what he needs to do better in order to elevate his game to potentially being a first round pick next year. Um, and, and again, it obviously it benefits St. John's because mm-hmm. they get their best player back. Mm-hmm. And I think what, what makes maybe this situation, you know, I saw people comparing it a lot to Shimori, uh, you know, declaring for the draft uh, after his junior year. I think the difference here between, you know, Julian and, and Pons, you know, Shimori Pons, just because of his size and maybe his defense, was probably never going to be a, you know, a lottery pick or even a first round pick on the next level. At least I don't think so. With Champagny, you could... I think reasonably make the case here that if he puts up, you know, a, a 20 point per game type season where he, if he improves on the thing that scouts want to see, if he's a big East player of the year, you could make the case that he, you know, sneaks into the first round next year. Correct. Yeah. There, there, it was two completely different situations yeah. between, uh, Champagny and Pons. Mm-hmm. I would compare it maybe even a little more to Champagny and Figueroa mm-hmm. from last year. Obviously. I mean, St. John's got the raw end of the stick on that one with him. Uh, withdrawing from the the draft, but then transferring to Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, P- Pons was a different situation, like you mentioned, size, um, athleticism. It just didn't didn't match up to the NBA standards, and also I, I don't think he got the best advice. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. From people around him, people mm-hmm. can uh, make of that what you will. Mm-hmm. Um, the people <laughs> around him and who who was at the head of, who was at the head of the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, from St. John's and whatnot. Uh, but I, again, I thought it was more like Figueroa where it was your best player. You would have loved to have him back. And then you, and St. John's has been known to get burned in these type of situations a lot. And I yeah. think that's why people on social media were so anxious and anticipating the worst with this. <laughs> I was um, yep. <laughs> be, be, because of what happened last year mm-hmm. with Figueroa. Um, but this, everything was in the deck, at least in my opinion, unless someone really blew him out of the water and said, we're going to take you at, 35, 36, yeah. or we're going to take you at mm-hmm. 28, 29, but he was always going to come back to Queens. Mm-hmm. And, and I was I was thinking about this, you know, kind of comparing this uh, to other things as well. You know, you look back at the players, you know, in the last decade, let's say, that are kind of revered by, by St. John's fans. You know, you have D'Angelo Harrison, that entire team, really. Uh, Shamori Pons, even, I, I think for moments, is kind of, you know, looked at as, as this, you know, hero among St. John's fans. Not not to take anything away though from those two guys, but you know they didn't win a whole lot in the postseason. You know they didn't have really any NCAA tournament success. They made two. They both lost their first game. If Julian you know comes back, you know stays a third year, you know kind of somewhat unexpected, I guess you could say, and has that success, you know in the Big East tournament and you know maybe even the NCAA tournament, he's going to turn into like the biggest name with this team in a long, long time, in my opinion. I I don't know if that weighed into his decision, but just like the way that St. John's fans look back on these players, I I think that he has a real shot to kind of jump in, you know, high spots in St. John's history. Oh, absolutely. I think um, one one of the best 
things that I've come up with in thinking about that very point you just brought up over this past, what, 24 hours, mm-hmm. is the players on last year's Duke team and last year's Kentucky team and those freshmen or players that left after one year. Mm-hmm. They left after not making an NCAA tournament appearance. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, given the history of those two blue, blood, blue bloods, those players are basically going to be forgotten. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. St. John's somewhat has a history of those two teams being one of the top ten um, programs of all time in terms of wins in college basketball history. But fans latch on to players more because St. John's is a three- to four-year school, yes. unlike your Dukes and Kentuckys and that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, again, like Harrison and Ponds, yeah, they're revered among people in Queens. But if you look nationally, they're they're really not well-known names. Mm-hmm. And given their lack of success in the postseason in college and their lack of success professionally in the NBA, I know Harrison has had a great career overseas yeah. mm-hmm. playing professionally. Pons is, I guess, still working his way around there. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he wasn't obviously uh, helped out by the pandemic at all. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but if Champagny, he's back. If he can have some success... Um, in the postseason, I mean, yeah, he's going to be, uh, I, I guess, what, your, your Mo Harkless, yeah. players like that, where you're going to talk a couple years, that's going to be a solid NBA role player. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, he went to St. John's. This is what uh, people at St. John's can do. And one thing, uh, I don't I, I don't think you were going to touch on this, uh, this podcast. I just wanted to get it out there. Yeah. Bobby Portis, playing in the NBA Finals, <laughs> played at Arkansas under mm-hmm. Mike Anderson, was yeah. a five-star recruit. That's known because if you look on Twitter, I mean, Mike Anderson, yes, he's the coach of St. John's, Mm -hmm. but he still has all those connections to players he coached in the past. Mm -hmm. And Bobby Portis is one of them. And now with uh, Giannis's injury, he's making a big impact for the Bucs in what's going to be the NBA Finals this week. So um, just if you're a St. John's fan, I would say root for Bobby Portis because it's another player that's thrived under Mike Anderson. And that shows positively and for his profile on the on the uh, recruiting trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and to say this, I just want to say, you know, we're not taking away anything from from D'Angelo Harrison from from. I don't no, want no, people to come after yeah, to come after us on Twitter. We're not taking anything away from those guys. I just think that this fan base is so starved for success. You know, I've only been watching this team for basically a decade, and you know, I, I can only imagine the people that have been watching this team, you know, for for decades and decades and decades. There's they just want to see a winner so bad that if Champagny can be the guy that actually delivers that, or you know, the 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 top player on a team that delivers that, you know, you saw it last year, how, how much this fan base got behind that team. I just think it's going to be a whole different level. If you're looking at a team that is, you know, winning an NCAA tournament game or, you know, reaching a big East final, I think it's just going to be something that we've never seen before, you know, as younger members of this fan base. And that was with people not even allowed to be in the game at the game. Exactly. That was, that was just all social media engagement. And obviously you have to look at, Obviously, St. John's has an older fan base. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you have an, a, a good amount of them, and they're diehards on Twitter on the SJUBB hashtag. Mm-hmm. But you probably have a lot of those real old-school diehard St. John's fans, not on social media, mm-hmm. who live and breathe with St. John's basketball as well. So I, I think it's going to be great seeing fans in the building next year mm-hmm. for this team and the style they play. Um, and and how successful I think they're going to be. And just one thing when you talk about the engagement, it goes beyond the fans. It goes to the media, too. I mean, at at the beginning of the year, um, in like the virtual media press conferences, Mm -hmm. um, when they were playing uh, St. Peter's and so on and so forth, I mean, there was really only three main people, three main reporters Mm -hmm. um, in, in in the media sessions. It was... Um, Zach Braziller, who everyone knows, yeah. Roger Rubin, who everyone knows, and myself. <laughs> I mean, that was that was that was really it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I guess as a as a journalist, as a reporter, it, it's your best uh, it's your best dream. Yeah, it's good for you. you. Just about, yeah, you can just about ask as many questions as you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but as they got on that, what was it, six, seven, eight game winning streak, mm-hmm. um, and really started to build towards. Uh, the postseason. I mean, Bruce Beck of NBC rolled in. Mm-hmm. You had CBS guys come in, a couple of ESPN guys come in. Mm-hmm. So people took notice of St. John's late last season. Obviously, it had a disappointing ending in the uh, Big East tournament. Mm-hmm. But people, people, if you win, people will notice, mm-hmm. and that'll only create the buzz around the program. Uh, it'll create more buzz, and it'll bring a larger audience into uh, the Garden, uh, UBS Arena, or Carnesecca. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, 
New York is a pro sports town. I think that we would both agree with that. You know, you know, college sports are not very big in, in New York City, but New York also latches on to winners. You know, if you're a winning yes. team in New York City, you're going to have the press coverage. You're going to have the media all over you. You know, I mean, obviously look at the, you know, we don't, we wouldn't know it recently with all of our, you know, the way that our teams have looked recently, but if you you know, are a winning team in New York, there is going to be hype around you no matter what stage you play on, whether you're a pro or college team. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously it's a different, a much bigger stage than mm-hmm. we're talking about in terms of college and St. John's. But I think look at the Knicks and the Nets specifically in the postseason yep. and the, the, the crowds that those two teams drew um, in, in their in their playoff runs. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's obviously not to that extent. I don't think uh, St. John's will sell out the, like completely sell out the garden with, whatever it is, 17,000 absolutely mm-hmm. screaming fans. Um, but that's what you're hoping for. You're just hoping for that constant buzz yeah. around the program. And I think you're going to want to set the tone early. If they get off to a little bit of a rocky start, the, that, the air is going to come out of the balloon. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, it's, it's too, way too early to talk about yeah. the air coming out of the balloon because with that announcement last <laughs> night, I mean, again, that buzz started going around and around and around. Mm-hmm. And and let's be honest, you know, we got four months until until the season starts. Until something bad happens, I'm just going to be confident that this is going to be a really, really good team because on paper, they look like a really good team. And, and let's talk about that. I mean, with this roster right now, I know I know that we're talking about, at least I'm talking about, you know, NCAA tournament, you know, top team in the Big East, you know, maybe making run in the Big East tournament. With this roster right now, with Julian back, I don't see a whole lot of holes in this in this team. You know, you know, size has been an issue. You know, now they've got they've added Wheeler, six nine, Suriano, six eleven, uh, Niwaye, six ten. They've they've got size now. The shooting, you could say maybe, you know, but but I I just don't see the usual holes that St. John's teams have. You know, depth has obviously been a big part as well. For you though, like, is there anything that that seems like it could hold this team back on paper right now? I don't think on paper, obviously, I want to see how they improve rebounding, how they improve shooting. Yes, they brought in players with backgrounds mm-hmm. who are good rebounders, who have size, who are shot blockers, who can shoot. But obviously, you have to see it on the court for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, one one thing I'll mention is a backup point guard. Yeah. Um, not that Posh Alexander is frail, but he did get hurt at the end of the year. And mm-hmm. I mean, he absolutely toughed that out. There was no way he should have been playing mm-hmm. in the... Uh, Big East tournament game yeah. in Seton Hall. I mean, he had surgery a couple days later. The team said it like when he heard it, it was a sprained thumb. I wouldn't be surprised if in a couple weeks, couple months, you find out that was probably a broken thumb that mm-hmm. he played through. Definitely. Um, so, I mean, obviously he's tough as nails. Mm-hmm. But ju- just, well, I, I was thinking about this this morning too, and I think I feel like the perfect piece, not the, the the finishing touch for this piece, that last scholarship available. Mm-hmm. I feel like a John McGriff type player would be perfect for this team. But obviously, um, he, he left and went to uh, Binghamton. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel like in a backup point guard role, I feel like he would be perfect for this team. Now, I mean, Dylan Adaiwu, so he could he can handle the ball they, at the yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Steph Smith could handle the ball at the point mm-hmm. if he had to. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, like a John McGriff-type player. Uh, Coburn, who they just got from Hofstra, he mm-hmm. could handle the ball if mm-hmm. he had to. But I just feel like a John McGriff-type player would be the perfect cherry on top for the, how this roster is constructed and right now. even pin zone looks like he could you know from the, yes. the highlights that we've seen looks like he can be you know a, a capable backup as well I, I am curious where they you know where do you think that they go with that final scholarship they're going to go guard you would think as as everyone seems to think the only thing that that i think is that they might have a hard time you know getting a a high major type player to come in. You know, I, I know that the fan base obviously has their eyes on, on, you know, Kofi Coburn and everything like that, which isn't going to yeah. happen, but yeah, I, I, I hate, hate to give the breaking news. That's, that's, it's not that's happen. not happening. Um, I mean, what was, so this will come out. This is the fifth. It'll come. You'll either post this the fifth or the morning of the sixth. I mean, he has, he's still in the, the draft. He has mm-hmm. until the seventh yeah. to pull out. So mm-hmm. um, he just went to the transfer portal to, um, I think explore all his options, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he stays in the draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, to answer your question, if they do use it, and I'm not fully convinced they are, because yeah. like you said, they're not getting a big time player. You're yeah. going to get a really mid major player mm-hmm. who's just looking to elevate his game. That's why I think a, a John McGriff, McGriff type would player be perfect, yeah. mm-hmm. would be perfect for this roster. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get a like a John McGriff type player if you do add that final scholarship. Mm-hmm. But if if you don't, I mean. I feel like this team's ready to go. If if point guard depth 
is arguably your biggest issue on paper going into the year, then that's definitely something you can live with. Because like I said, you have players on the roster that can handle the ball at the point if needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I have a hard time believing that they're going to, you know, bring someone in big to, to spell Posh, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game. I just, I don't think that's going to happen. But like you mentioned, you know, Posh, Montez Mathis, Steph Smith, you know, Dylan Adaiwusu can even run point, pin zone. You know, I, I even could see Julian bringing the ball up every once in a while. Like, like it, do, it wouldn't stun me, you know, Coburn, like you mentioned, to, you know, they have five, six, seven guys that can handle the ball, uh, bring it up. So, so, I think that they're okay if they add someone else. Uh, we'll see about that. Let's talk about Tariq Coburn, though, who uh, committed on, on Saturday. I, I will say, you know, no disrespect to him, but it was a little bit of a letdown. I was I was hoping that Mike was posting about a Julian return uh, when he did the, when he did the uh, bat signal or, or whatever that he does. But Tariq yeah. Coburn, certainly a great addition to this team. Uh, they needed a shooter, as, as Braziller mentioned, you know, with or without Champagny. They needed a shooter. So your thoughts on Tariq Coburn? They needed the shooter, and he's big. He's 6'5", yeah. uh, what he was listed at Hofstra last year, 6'5", 205, mm-hmm. and he can shoot. So he's probably not going to be afraid to go down and rebound. His rebounding numbers weren't great at, at Hofstra. But, I mean, if you're adding a 6'5 guard who can shoot and, again, stretch the floor and stretching the floor, um, it, it helps Posh because I think Posh is going to take a step up. Mm-hmm. in terms of his shooting capabilities this year. Mm-hmm. But you saw what he could do off the dribble in terms of getting to the basket, how crafty of a finisher he was at the hole. Mm-hmm. So the more shooters, it expands the defense. and opens up that paint area. And then you can throw in down low to Soriano, um, Nywe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can post up uh, Julian. Um, I know he's going to play more of a three this year, mm-hmm. which I had a feeling um, I'm going to have a projected starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, way or a way too early starting lineup, and again he slides in at the three. Yeah. Um. So, Coburn. I mean, St. John's again in the past they've had they have added a shooter. They're stat line shooters, mm-hmm. but they've struggled um, at this level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, again, I mean, everything you read about him, uh, an absolutely outstanding kid on I the agree. floor, off the floor. Uh, and it's another leadership player, another exactly. leadership player in that locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 character player mm-hmm. uh he's gonna he's gonna step up he's gonna take charge he's gonna take the lead uh, so again i think it's on and off the floor i think it's a really good ad for st john's yeah i think that's another underrated thing and and this didn't change with with champagne coming back but but you mentioned about you know the leadership uh you know coburn is is what a fifth year senior now uh montez mathis has played in the ncaa tournament i believe steph smith has as well uh, Wheeler has played in the NCAA. Like, they have guys now that are not only veterans, but have NCAA tournament experience. It's going to take some time for this team to fully gel just because there's there's too many additions coming in, you know, new faces coming in. You know, they're not going to look like, you know, you know the, the best team in the world game one. But I, I do think that the experience, too, is kind of an underrated thing with this team, that they've added guys who have NCAA tournament experience. Yes, and uh, again... There were so many thoughts running through my head between last night and this morning. <laughs> Same. Um, but w- one of the ones, again, that, that I thought of was, so the team's been on campus. They've been doing their off-season workouts, team mm-hmm. bonding experiences. I, I think the social media team posted like a bowling trip they went to or something. Mm-hmm. And that's all well and good. But those workouts, those on-court practices have all been without Julian Champagny because mm-hmm. he's been at the NBA Combine. He's been working out for NBA teams. Mm-hmm. So now whatever chemistry those play, and obviously without um, Pinzone too because he's out playing yeah. mm-hmm. um, at the FIBA U19. So when those two players get back and get back on campus, I'd assume I'd assume Champagny will be back on campus at some point this week. Mm-hmm. Pinzone, whenever his international um, summer comes to an end, mm-hmm. then they have to get their chemistry down when those two players, because those two, obviously, Champagny's probably going to be a 35-minute-per-game uh, player, and, yeah. and Zone, you figure, is going to get somewhere between 10 to 15 off the bench each game. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're going to be in the rotation, and the chemistry is now going to have to build with them um, incorporating into the offense and the defense. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at this roster right now, and it's just, I, I have it written down, and it's just, I, I just, I love this roster. I, I don't know what it is, I just love it. I want to hear, I mean, you, you mentioned about your early starting five. Uh, if, if you want to disclose it now, feel free, or if you were saving that, you know, you don't have to, but I, I'd like to hear your starting five. Yeah, so I'll disclose it. I mean, I'll go more in depth um, in, in my article at some point this week, but obviously um, I would go Posh Alexander at the one. Yep. Uh, Steph Smith at the two, mm-hmm. uh, Julian at the three, Aaron Wheeler at the four, 
and uh, Joel Soriano at the five. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's that would be my way too early uh, starting five prediction. I think Dylan Adaiwusu and Montez Mathis will be like that sixth last seventh man coming off the bench. Yeah, I, I agree, and I I think that you know I saw some people maybe having Montez Mathis uh, as as you know starting at the two instead of Steph, Steph Smith. I could see that as well. You just look at this lineup though. There's so many different you know variations or combinations that you could play around with. You know, you put Posh and Mathis in the backcourt together. That's an incredible uh, defensive backcourt. You know, Posh and and Pinzone maybe you got two playmakers on, on the court together. You know, you got you want to play small ball. You put Wheeler at the five, Julian at the four. There's just so many different combinations that I don't know. I mean, maybe sort of last year, but it just doesn't seem like they've ever had that at St. John's where they had so many different rotations that they could plug in and play and you know go with whoever's whoever's hot. Yeah, and don't forget, I mean, earlier in, early in the year, I mean, we saw it last year in games uh, like against Ryder and, and Stony Brook where Mike Anderson, he was mixing and matching rotations. Yes. I mean, a, a lot in non-conference play. Mm-hmm. And again, I would expect the same this year, mm-hmm. um, especially now with more non-conference games you're allowed to play. And I guess... Um, I guess, for lack of a better term, more cupcake games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd, I'd expect to see a lot of mixing and matching with rotations because it's one thing just mixing and matching rotations against your own other five, against like your 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 mm-hmm. B side. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. But doing it again in live game action is something completely different. Uh, but it, the the biggest thing that jumps out to me in terms of this roster is the athleticism. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean. Posh Alexander for for a point guard is he's, he's small but he's really athletic. I mean, mm-hmm. you just look at Montez Mathis; he can jump out of the gym. Aaron Wheeler can jump even higher out of the gym. <laughs> um, Nyue, I mean, I haven't seen him on the floor, but just looking at the way he's built, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. he looks like an absolute rim runner. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this team and that's the style Mike Anderson wants to play. He wants to get up and down the floor, mm-hmm. and he he has his hand-picked guys who he wants to get up and down the floor with. Mm-hmm. And the only drawback, I think, of having a, a team where you have basically 12 guys who right now it looks like on paper are going to contribute is, you know, that depth can kind of sometimes lead to guys not playing as many minutes as they would like. That's that's kind of the only drawback, I think, of all this. And we saw it with last year's team with all the departures. You know, that that's the one thing that kind of worries me is that, you know, you might see like a midseason departure of someone who's not you know, playing the amount of time that they'd like to be playing. Uh, what do you think about that? That's kind of my only concern with this with this type of a roster where you have so many guys that can contribute. I agree with you. I think right now, if I had to pick the two odd men out, I would go um, Omar Stanley mm-hmm. and uh, Teresa Trior. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are going to be like just forecasting what the rotation could look like in mm-hmm. uh, January, February, March. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so if you have 12 on paper that can really play, um, I think in ter- when you get late in the year, you want to have your best eight to ten. Mm-hmm. And right now, I would just think that those two might be the odd men out. Mm-hmm. That that's just my prediction. And I, obviously, I could be wrong at saying that on July fifth. Yeah, and what's crazy about that is when I, when I spoke to uh, Zach Brazilier about three months ago, I think he mentioned to me that the staff was just crazy about Triore. So I mean, like it's it's just it's crazy to think like you know every guy on this team could contribute. We'll 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 see though, um, you know going forward. Before I get 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 you out of here, I want to ask you one more question. The the NIL, uh, you know, the new rules, obviously, athletes being able to make money off of endorsements. With with St. John's, you know, your thoughts on that? I don't think it's going to have a, a huge impact. It, it seemed like maybe it had an impact on Champagny's decision, but for future recruiting, uh, I know you had some some content out about that. Uh, your thoughts on on the development over the last week, really? So I think it's a great rule. I mean, there, there's no harm, there's no foul. I mean, we were both college students. We were allowed to work jobs. We were allowed to make money however we wanted to make money. I mean, these kids should be allowed to do the same too. I mean, uh, the the valedictorian of a local high school in New York could have a full ride to St. John's, and mm-hmm. she, she or he can make as much money and a job on the side as they want, and mm-hmm. now um, athletes can too. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, for St. John's, I mean um, – Mike Craig has, I mean, him and uh, the administration staff with St. John's Athletics, they've done an absolute phenomenal job mm-hmm. um, in preparing for this. This has been like a year in, in work in progress for them. Mm-hmm. And um, you're seeing, because a lot of it's going to come from social media, yeah. uh, as you probably know, and as all your listeners probably know, a lot of these endorsement deals and um, whatnot is, are going to come from social media. And, I mean, the men's and women's basketball teams, they've really... Uh, over the last couple of weeks, they've really pushed 
their uh, their players on social media and how to follow their players and mm-hmm. what to do. I know I agree. Barstool, Barstool Sports has already um, brought on several St. John's athletes. Not ju- I don't think um, any men's basketball players. Not that, but a couple women's basketball players. I yeah. think a couple softball players, baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be interesting. One thing I am interested to see. So obviously, you know, Posh Alexander, Julian Champagny, they'll probably have some type of deals. They're going to be the star players. Yeah. But like, what happens? Uh, in a five game, and St. St. John's was on a five game winning streak in the Big East, and like Steph Smith is the the star player of those five games. Like, is he is he comfortable to take on an endorsement deal or whatever you want to call it in like the middle of the season? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. are, are players comfortable with the extra spotlight that'll be put on them mm-hmm. if companies reach out and want to do business with them because they had a good stretch? That's just one thing that. I always has been floating in the back of my mind since mm-hmm. this bill got passed. And it's just going to, obviously we're not going to have an answer to it for a couple more months now, but I think it's just going to be interesting to see um, as the season progresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting to see because we just, we have no, this is such uncharted territory that we have no idea how it's going to play out. That's why like, it's, it's hard to make any declarative statements one way or the other about it because we just don't know. Like, I mean, this year is going to be crazy. We'll see it with college football first, I guess. Uh, like you mentioned, though, we, we really do not know what direction this is going to go in for college athletics. Exactly. And St. John's, yes, it's, I mean, they play in the Garden. They play, they're going to play at the new Belmont Arena. They play in Queens. Um, it's the heart of New York City. But again, it's it's a historic program, but it's not a blue blood no. like your Carolina, your Kansas, your Kentucky, your Duke, your, uh, I guess that's really, that's, I don't want to start another uh, open another can of worms here with who are the blue bloods, but those are the four blue bloods if you ask me. Uh-huh. Um, but St. John's isn't one of those programs. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, companies, I don't know if companies are going to be throwing themselves mm-hmm. at St. John's basketball players. You get, get what I'm saying? Yeah. No one, like, no one like, on yeah. St. John's is making you know six figure endorsement deals. Exactly. Like mm-hmm. there, there's no Zion Williamson no. Mm-hmm. or there, there's no. Uh, well, to DeAndre be fair, I don't think any. Like I don't think any college athletes, you know, besides a Zion or a Trevor Lawrence, are going to make you know those massive endorsement deals. I don't think any really will. Exactly, and, and again, you brought up a good point. Like you're going to see. Um, I hope I pronounce his last name right. DJ Uyunglele, yeah. the, the guy who's going to start <laughs> Clemson. at Clemson for uh-huh. quarterback. Um, I think Spencer Rattler, the quarterback for Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I feel like those two are going to set a, a bar for men's college basketball players. Mm-hmm. Um, I know mm-hmm. football is probably a, a, a peg above college basketball, mm-hmm. but I feel like those are arguably two of your biggest stars in college football. So what, I feel like they're going to set a precedent for, or I guess I should say a better word, they're going to set the market mm-hmm. for uh, college basketball. Mm-hmm. Very true. It's, it, it's, it's a wild time, and it'll be very interesting to see uh, how that play out, and it'll be very interesting to see how the St. John season uh, plays out. Kevin, I'm, I'm sure we're going to have you on either before the season, you know, sometime we'll definitely have you on during the season, so uh, we will definitely be talking at some point soon, but thank you so much for uh, taking some time out of your holiday weekend, the end of your holiday weekend, to come on and uh, talk Julian Champagne and St. John's. Troy, appreciate it. It's, it's great to talk. I have positive things to talk about for St. John's um, at the beginning of July. And like you said, it, it feels like from now until um, what, November 8th, November 9th, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's going to be a lot of positives. Yes. Um, with, Saint, with, with a lot of positives going around with St. John's. A lot of hype which, uh, in Queens this year. Which doesn't happen all that often. Uh, also, we will mention Kevin is doing a, a live stream on uh, Wednesday night. He did. One of those, what, a couple months ago, and I thought it was it was awesome. Uh, he had a lot of people coming in asking questions. So if you're listening to this podcast, I know that you are a St. John's super fan. So you will definitely be interested in a live stream of Kevin. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at KevinConnolly24. Kevin, thank you so much, man. Troy, appreciate it. Talk soon. All right. Have a good one. All right. All right. Big thanks once again to Kevin Connolly of Storm the Paint for coming on and talking Julian Champagny and talking about St. John's for next season. Again, if you follow Kevin on Twitter, uh, Kevin Connolly 24 that's C-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y 24, uh, he will be doing a live stream on Wednesday night. So if you're listening to this before Wednesday night, definitely check that out. Like I mentioned, if you're if you're interested in this podcast, you will certainly be interested in uh, Kevin's live stream on Wednesday night. I'm sure I will be watching, and I hope uh, all of the fans will as well. He did a great job with the first one that he did, so I'm really looking forward to uh, to this one, talking, talking some positive stuff, right? The last time that Kevin did a live stream, I think it was right after Greg and uh, and Marcellus left. 
wasn't a whole lot positive to talk about uh, then, but we certainly have some positive to talk about now. And that's one other thing that I want to mention before I go, or two other things. This is one of them. You know, we looked at this roster, and I did a podcast, I remember, whenever Greg and uh, Marcellus announced, you know, within minutes of each other, they would be transferring. I think I did a podcast that day or that night uh, in whatever it was, mid-March, I'm not sure, four months ago or so. And I remember saying wait until this roster fills out. You know, you can panic now or you can be concerned now that we are, you know, losing all of these guys that we've had, you know, so many guys transfer out, you know, Cole, Moore, Roberts, Williams, Erlington, McGriff, so many transfers out. Champagne was in the in the uh, NBA draft at that point as well. There was reason for concern too, but I remember saying at that time, and, and I wasn't the only one saying this, wait until the roster fills out. You know, and I think I even said, you know, if late June, early July, if this roster still looks like it's, you know, a bottom of the Big East roster, then you freak out. You know, and and, and I hate to toot my own horn here, but you look at this roster now and, you know, Kevin and I just spent, you know, the last 45 minutes or so salivating over this roster. That is a lot of talent. You know, you look at the talent that St. John's has brought in. Montez Mathis, Steph Smith, uh, Tariq Coburn, Aaron Wheeler, Joel Soriano, not to mention the freshman coming in as well. Mike Anderson and this staff have really done a good job replacing this roster with guys who, like I said, not only have that that talent and that you know athleticism that really fit this system, but they have that experience as well. They have that NCAA tournament experience. They have that major conference experience, which St. John's frankly doesn't have. Posh Alexander and Julian Champagny don't have that. You know, but again, we spent these last couple of, of weeks and months, you know, happy with the additions for sure. But I think a lot of those additions were kind of contingent on Posh Alexander and Julian Champagny being here. You know, bringing in Montez Mathis and bringing in Steph Smith and bringing in Tariq Coburn and Aaron Wheeler and Joel Soriano, those were great additions. Don't get me wrong. But they were great additions, you know, made better by the fact knowing that you had a premier, you know, all conference level, you know, maybe even best player in the conference in Julian Champagny. You know, and that's not to take anything away from those guys, but those guys look a hell of a lot better in those, you know, supporting cast type roles to Julian, to Posh, than they would as guys that you're relying on to score you, you know, 15, 20 points a game and to be, you know, your best player or one of your best players. You know, and I think that's the beauty of this team is you expect a lot out of Posh and you expect a lot out of Julian. But it's kind of like we saw last year, right? When it was a different guy every night. You know, where if Posh had an off night, Greg Williams picked him up. If Julian had an off night, Rasheem Dunn picked him up. You know, we saw that kind of time and time again during that winning streak for St. John's and down the stretch for St. John's last year. And I think we're going to see a lot of that again this year. You know, Montez Mathis has an off night. Tariq Coburn goes 4 or 5 from 3-point range and scores 15 points. You know, Julian has an off-shooting night and shoots, you know, 4 for for 13 from the field or something. All right, Steph Smith picks him up and scores, you know, 13. I, I think we're going to see a lot of that again, and that comes with that depth. You know, that's what I mentioned before with Kevin, you know, with the 2015 team, with the 2019 team. We didn't see that depth. You know, if if Shamori Pons went 2 of 14 from the field in the game, St. John's is most likely going to lose that game. If D'Angelo Harrison had an off night, St. John's was likely going to lose that game. I think, again, I'm very confident. It's it's early July, so why would I not be confident? I think that St. John's has a roster in place that if Posh Alexander and Julian Champagny have an off game, one of those two, I think that you have enough that someone else will step up. And that's why I love this roster so much. Um, I do want to talk about the NIL real quick. Um, Kevin and I touched on it a little bit there. I don't know if it's going to have a, a major impact on on St. John's and and you know their recruiting going forward. Um, you know, as I mentioned with Kevin, this is is, is a pro sports town. You know, we're, we're, we are you know we are a pro sports town, in New York City. Um, I, I I don't think that St. John's will ever get big enough that. You know, we would have guys signing these these mega endorsement deals, you know, and, and things like that. But, you know, you never know. Um, but it is really just all up in the air. So we'll, we'll have to see, you know, what how this affects St. John's, if at all. Maybe it levels the playing field, but I really don't know. You know, maybe, you know, you can convince, 
you know, if Champagny goes out there and has a great season and makes a lot of endorsements, you can convince that, you know, five-star, you know, Brooklyn guard that, that, you know, he can come home and stay home and make a lot of money or just as much as he would make with Duke and Carolina. But unfortunately, I still think that the Blue Bloods have the advantage here, you know, being able, you know, you look at Duke, you look at Carolina, you look at Kentucky, you look at Kansas, those are college towns. You know, they're crazy about those basketball teams. So, I still think that the the scales are tipped in favor of the Blue Bloods with this, um, but we'll see. You know, no one knows anything. We've never had an era like this in college athletics, so we'll we'll see how it all turns out. Uh, as I mentioned to Kevin, it, it's hard to make any declarative statements on this because we just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. But in my mind, it doesn't make a huge difference uh, for St. John's, or at least the difference that a lot of people are, are making, or some people are making out to be, you know, that, oh, we're in the media capital of the world, you know, this is, you know, the, the biggest spotlight, I don't know, you know, it's the biggest spotlight really for, for pro athletes, I don't, I'm not so sure if it's a huge spotlight for college athletes like those blue blood uh, programs are, but we will see, uh, again, I, I do not know for sure, but uh, thank you to everyone for listening to the show. Uh, thank you for for all being patient. Uh, I know I got a little bit on Twitter for not for not having a podcast out earlier, but again, I, I would say blame it on Julian. Honestly, lay the blame on him. It's his fault for announcing at a at a on July fourth at nine thirty p.m. It was a beautiful scene with the fireworks going off above the Statue of Liberty, and uh, you know f- hearing the news that Julian would be coming back. It was it was fantastic, sure, but for podcasters like myself and bloggers like Kevin, uh, Julian did did not uh, do the nicest thing there. So I'm always going to hold that against him. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I will not hold that against him. I'm I'm very happy that he's back, but uh, that's the reason for the delay. But I do hope that everyone enjoyed their uh, July Fourth weekend. Otherwise, uh, I know I. Did I know that I certainly had a good time with uh, after Julian came back. So thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back whenever we have uh, news. Maybe we'll do a little bit of an off season again. If you have, if anyone has anyone that they would like to, to hear on this show, you know, any special guests or anything like that, I'm all for it. Uh, maybe we can get Julian on this show sometime soon. So that would be really cool if we had Julian Champagne on. But either way, uh, if anyone has any suggestions or anything like that, we'd love to hear them. Hope everyone continues to have a fantastic summer, and we will see you as we get closer to the season. We're one day closer to uh, November 8th or whatever it is. So, as always, let's go Johnnies.